welcome back to another edition of the SBK Betting Podcast. It's the last episode in August and it really does feel today like we're coming to the end of the summer with the rain falling in bucket loads and it's going to make a big impact on the going up and down the country. Really interesting but very much needed and required as we've had a very hot summer and it's been a hot week also for this podcast because there's been plenty of winners. York provided some fabulous racing performances, really, really top quality stuff. Had a fantastic time following it all through and I'm sure that uh, Ross Miller and Tom Collins did the same. Ross, importantly, nap of the whole week was noble style and despite being slow away and still very raw and green, he was massively impressive in the gym crack, setting up a really fascinating rest of the season for him. You must have been really excited watching that, Ross. Yeah, it was. I mean, I was, I was, I was really excited through the week um, that Royal Scotsman stood his ground. I thought that made him uh, far more of an attractive price. Um, and you'd have to say Godolphin and Charlie Apple were fairly bullish in the lead up to the race. They said they thought he'd step forward a bit. Um, that was my my concern really was, was he a weak finisher or did he just get a bit tired at Newmarket? It was certainly the latter. He does look a little bit mad, doesn't he? He sort of runs around a bit, but I just love how powerfully he travels. Um, I'd be keen to see him kept at six furlongs. I think they'll undoubtedly step him up to seven. Uh, maybe the Champagne Stakes, maybe go to Ireland for the National Stakes. I think that's unlikely um, because ultimately, I, I guess they want, you know, Guineas winners, but I'd be surprised if he stays a mile. He might well stay seven. I'd be surprised if he stays a mile. I think to stay a mile, you're going to have to harness him far more than he is at the moment. And I think you then inherently lose something of the ability of the horse. So looking much further ahead, I think he's far more likely to win the Commonwealth Cup than the 2000 guineas. Um, but he's just a, a smart talent and an, an exciting horse to watch. Yeah, they've got plenty of good two-year-olds that they've unleashed recently and they've got a lot to look forward to in trying having the nice headache of separating them all for the uh, classier races come the end of the season. You also put up the Platinum Queen um, before she was supplemented for the Nunthorpe and she ran a, a really brave and a big race to be second under Holly Doyle and Holly Doyle confirmed what we could see in the paddock that this is not just a two-year-old. She is big and imposing and she's just going to get better and better and it sounds like it's the flying five next because they're desperately keen to get automatic entry into the Breeders' Cup and back amongst her own sex at least and her own uh, age group, Ross, she's going to be very, very hard to beat. Yeah, I, th I, I think um, it, it shows how these horses progress, doesn't it? She, she bolted to the front and then slightly had eyes on stalks some way out, um, ran around a bit. I don't think that cost her the win, but I think she'd be much closer she's a really exciting horse and I think they're to be commended for the sort of brave way they're campaigning them it, it makes it exciting for us um, we didn't have to stump up the money to, to to see a run they did and I'm glad they're rewarded and let's hope more people sort of take brave options going forward because it makes for a better spectacle for all us sat at home or at the races yeah, I don't think Midland Park have got much to be worried about after winning the sales race and they were spending plenty of it at the sales this week as well. So not need to worry about that. Um, TC, you you had um, Emiratiana placed at big odds, but also in the previous podcast, Sulcum. Now that was a performance, a seriously well-handicapped horse and bolted up, stepped up and trip under Holly Doyle. Another horse to be slow away and also another one at good price for you. 28 to 1, I can't believe he went off at that John Leeper in the e -ball. So some good, interesting handicaps, uh, handicap selections for you, um, TC. And I 
think that these will be races worth following, don't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so let's touch on Solcom first. We've already mentioned Holly Doyle. I thought she rode brilliantly throughout the York Ebor Festival. Although she didn't even need to ride brilliantly on Solcom because he missed a kick. I think anyone would have won on him. I think Ro we could have put Ross on. And obviously, Ross is a much more talented horseman than myself. I wouldn't have won on him. But Ross definitely would have. Uh, he had so much in hand in the Melrose. Those blinkers have really worked the oracle. And yeah, Emiratiana ran really nicely in the Nunthorpe to finish fourth. Um, John Leeper as well, a horse that I've never got right, but fortunately hit the frame. It was a pretty good week. We had a few nice winners between us. Hopefully those winners continue going into this Saturday. Yeah, Ross also put up uh, Phantom Flights, um, who I think has gone up about £11 in the handicap since that was success. And I like to say that I did put up Quickthorne before Stradivarius and Trushan were scared off by him. And looking at what happened, I'm not surprised. Um, but I would have loved to have seen them all turn up together. And I think Huey Morrison is... Uh, was uh, he was more crossed than happy about the fact that the the true competitors weren't in that race, but um, Quickthorn was a very comprehensive winner of the Lonsdale, and also Alpinista. She really um, had to be tough. She had to be gritty, and she won the Yorkshire Oaks and deserved another Group One success. So, all in all, guys, not a bad week of winners for the podcast, considering it's been patchy, it's been tough, but I think it all came together. Ross, quickly, any horses other than the obvious ones that you had already known about? Any any ones that you put in your tracker after uh, the, the York week? Uh, no, there wasn't really, Jess. I thought there was plenty of fair racing. Um, nothing to, to me particularly uh, stood out, I have to say. TC, anything that you want to touch on just quickly before we move on to this weekend? Yeah, I wrote a piece for SBK Betting Zone, our content hub, uh, featuring three eye catches over the week um, at York. I won't spoil it. If you want to go read that, then please do visit betting.getsbk.com. Um, but I'll give you one of the names now, which is Three Yorkshiremen. Now, he ran in the Convivial Maiden, a maiden that has produced lots of high-quality horses over the last five years. He finished 10th. And the fact that he finished 10th means next time he'll probably go under the radar in the market. But he was held up last at a track that clearly suited front runners and prominent racers. Jamie Spencer rode, looked for a gap as soon as he started to engage fourth or fifth gear. That gap just shut right in front of him. Switched out to the left, the gap shut again. He didn't get a fair run of things. Spencer never really asked for maximum effort. And he caught the eye with that real late finish in the, in the final 50 yards. I think next time up, three Yorkshiremen's a very intriguing runner for Richard Fahey. Okay, yeah, I think the Northern-based trainers really stamped their authority on British racing throughout the week. Um, and for me, Queen Me for Kevin Ryan was a certainly an eye-catcher, just her second run in the Lowther. She was only beaten a, a neck by Swing Along, uh, a race that her dam, her granddam, not all won prior to uh, her just, just getting beaten, but she's clearly a very talented filly, a daughter of Dubawi. And I think the, the Kevin Ryan team were really pleased with how well she did and how, how far she's come in such a short space of time. So that's my my eye catcher and one to go into the track and now sadly we're going from a week of brilliant racing competitive action good fields and uh good quality to a slightly damp squib this weekend and that's not just the weather but also small field sizes and a lot of racing but not enough real good good top quality action which is a bit of a shame um there is plenty there could have been plenty of options to have chosen chosen but looking at the declarations there are a lot of races that aren't betting propositions at all. Uh, so we're going to focus on the Beverly Bullet, which probably from just in terms of the numbers that are turning up, and that's only 13, um, that's the probably the, the best puzzle to try and solve. But I would have to say, TC, looking through it, I don't think it's uh, in anything 
of a vintage renewal and um you know there's a standout a standout horses in terms of official rating is tis marvelous last year's winner is it that straightforward I think so, but I think this is a, a tricky race to assess because it's not just about, you know, who's the best horse. This is Beverly. And people who don't often bet at Beverly, there are different factors and angles you need to look at for the Beverly bullet. I mean, speed tends to be the number one play, and that will be my number one angle, early speed in this race. I mean, you have to look back to 2015 for the last time a horse won the Beverly bullet that was placed worse than fifth at the halfway stage. So if you've got early pace, if you're front runners, you have a big advantage in this kind of race. People also tend to look at the draw, which is fair enough. I mean, if the ground stayed good to firm, then I'd definitely want to be in a low draw. Um, but we saw a couple of years ago when the ground went soft, uh, that it, they came down the middle. The draw didn't really matter. I mean, I think lower the better, but at the same time, I wouldn't put too much emphasis on the draw. I'd, I'd put the emphasis on the speed. So Tis Marvellous, as you touched on, won this race uh, last year. It was an absolute romp. I think he won by three and a half lengths and never really looked in danger. I think he's definitely the most likely winner of this again to retain his crown. Clive Cox has clearly targeted this race after running at Royal Ascot in what was probably the hottest race of the whole week, the King's Stand, uh, won by Nature Strip. He finished 10th that day, but Tis Marvellous was never going to beat the likes of Nature Strip. He's just not that good a horse. The fact that he's been kept fresh for this race ever since, they've clearly had it in mind. They won the race last year. He doesn't come into, the, into this year's renewal with the same kind of form figures, but I wouldn't let that bother you at all. I think Tis Marvellous is definite, definitely the most likely winner. Um, but there is one other horse that I would like to play at the prices, and that's King of Stars. Now, as I say, I think the main angle is early speed, and King of Stars has that in spades. He's run to a, a rating of around 100 and all starts this season apart from two. But those came at Chester and Epsom, two tracks he doesn't handle. He likes a, a flat galloping track. Um, and now I know Beverly's not that, but it's definitely not like Ch Chester or Epsom. It's not a tight turning left-handed track. Um, so he's very consistent. And last week, 10 days ago, he ran. Um, at York Ball Festival. He was drawn 22 in a big field sprint handicap. 22 was not the place to be. You wanted to be drawn low. That far side rail at York was just like a golden highway all week. He broke towards the stand side, tracked across, lost a lot of ground and momentum in doing so, but still finished second. I thought it was a highly creditable run and he could be the main danger to Tis Marvellous from the front. Yeah, he uh, he's just tinned, wasn't he? And But he could do a, a just another bottle and just go and lead. And I think that set the race up perfectly for Tis Marvellous marvellous last year but there isn't a huge amount of pace outside of it a lot of hold-up horses in this list and uh tis marvellous as it stands sort of heads the betting with recording on thursday um he, corker is uh, one of the leaders in terms of a betting perspective around 92 existence seven to one liar choice 15 to two or a sebo eight to one burning cash nine to one one damage 10 to 1 and then 12 to 1 for king of stars so not a bad price for a horse that comes into this race in really good form as well and that sometimes is, is key to sprinters um ross i think it's i think tc makes such a valid point about where you need to be in this race and how this race can pan out and it really doesn't favor those hold up types do you think the ground might be a factor there's been plenty of rain around and it looks like beverly's getting a lot of what we're getting down south as well do you think that might no, because he, he's run well on, on soft before. So I, I, I quite liked it from that point of view. My forecast uh, showed plenty of rain today and then not so much into tomorrow and Saturday. Um, but we know not to rely on forecasts. So I, I did think he was versatile with regards to ground. Um, I, I completely echo what TC said. I think he's got the standout claims here. He'd be my idea of the, of the winner. Um, but perhaps I'll add a little bit of 
shade to him. I wouldn't want to be going. I could see him going off a fairly short price. And if you're listening to this Saturday morning and he's, you know, a, a shortish price, here's a couple of mild concerns I have in that both runs this year, he's finished quite weakly the last half furlong. Now, the group three at Newbury, you could explain that away. First start of the season wouldn't bother me. And then again, last time, you know, it's a it's a group one. He could just have been on vapors because he was ridden fairly promptly and he and he did make a proper effort at it, you know, in behind the runaway winner. Um, but he does wear a tongue tie. If these weak finishes are just a niggle with his wind, and you would generally tend to put a tongue tie on a horse that perhaps has a slight thickness in its wind, that's one mild concern. And then another slightly larger concern is the jockey, Paul Hannigan. Um, he's not having a great season. You know, his confidence is going to be lower than an English reservoir level. Um, he's had uh, a good strike rate this month, three winners from 13 rides. It's the 13 rides that concerns me. And that's one ride in the last six days. This is a guy that would regularly be riding three or four winners a day. On top of that, sounds like he had a fairly torrid time uh, in the BHA hearing on Wednesday, six-hour hearing, picking his ride apart on the Riddler from the Norfolk quite rightly so, but he's not going to be feeling great. Um, and I just hope that he's able to use his experience, calm his nerves, not be too desperate about it and, and get the job done. Um, I think he will. Um, if you were looking at one at a price, I'd perhaps chance Tenia Canyon um, from a nice inside draw. She has been ridden promptly. She's also been dropped out. I'd like to think from this nice draw, on the inside, they'll ride her prominently. She stays further than the six furlongs. Um, Beverly is a stiff, stiff enough five. Um, I think uh, at a big price, she, she could just go well getting that five pound uh, Phillies allowance. Yeah, interesting uh, comments about um, Paul Hannigan. We'll, we'll get the, res the outcome of that uh, inquiry. Um, Sometime before Christmas, re yes. Relatively soon. It's been playing on for a while. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be uh, stringing itself out a little bit. Um, interesting that Adam Kirby, who's his regular jockey, despite Paul Hannigan riding for him to win this race last year, heads to Newmarket, stays at home, I assume, for just one ride on a, on a newcomer of Jane Chapel Iron. So read into that what you will, um, instead of taking his way all the way to Beverly. Um, but yes, Tiff, interesting point about the slight negatives around his marvellous. Maybe he's just not not really showed himself to as good a form this in the two starts he's had this year um, than he was this time last year, where he was running quite a lot. Um, but yeah, given a good break of 74 days by Clive Cox, uh, who has probably picked up his form slightly, but it's been a quite enough summer if anything for Clive Cox I feel um so yeah it's like negative I think in my mind considering he I agree with Ross he probably will be a short enough price um interesting angles from TC and from Ross I think there's probably a bit of value in here um quick line on mine is that I've gone for maybe a little bit rogue I'm not sure if this is going to be a real embarrassment or incredibly clever um Ainsdale um a horse that's been waiting for some given the ground for all season I'd imagine he's been withdrawn or a, a late non-runner due to the ground on a couple of occasions this season all his best results have come on given the ground um, I think that would be really key for him he is a horse that can race pretty prominently um, and I just think he could be a little bit overpriced at around 16 to 1 um, he's clearly a talented horse he's one of the highest rated officially on 104 and that's the same rating as the three-year-old Corker who is 
my second sort of selection in this in this race as well, but isn't quick away, is a monkey. We'll need Ben Curtis to be as uh, as 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 sprightly as he can be on this horse. Clearly very talented, just could um be a good thing considering he gets a little bit of weight off his elders, but will need to be quick away um from gate five. But I'm willing to risk it in a race where I'm gonna be a bit more negative against the favourite Tis Marvelous. Um so that's the Beverly Bullet. Um, the sprint, the listed race at 2.40 at Beverly on Saturday. Um, that's the, the main focus race we're going to look at. But as always, uh, we're going to have a bet of the week from Ross and from TC. Start with Ross, considering your, your nap came through at York last week. So where have you gone to this Saturday? So I've gone to uh, Windsor at a 5.34. And it's, it's a bit of a chancy nap, Jess. I was, I was pretty confident about last week's one. This one... Not so much, but I think she'll be a, a decent enough price. Um, and it's the George Bowie train, Cashew. Um, I think ground is absolutely the key to this filly. Um, they're currently soft there with rain predicted. So I'm hoping it'll be at least soft. Both her career wins have come on soft ground. One of those coming over this course and distance. She had a really busy two-year-old season. She ran 11 times and she ran right up until the end of October. And I thought that showed in her early season form. You know, she was back out mid-April. So she wouldn't have had much of a break um, and she looked pretty lacklustre, pretty uninterested in a, in, in a couple of runs. I thought last time at Lingfield, she took a big step back in the right direction where crucially she finished her race off very well. That was off a waiting ride over seven furlongs. Both her wins have come off positive rides over six furlongs. Uh, she's ridden by Connor Planis, who claims seven. He's impressed me. I think he's looked quite uh, quite composed, particularly when winning at Sandown last week on Mukatil for Ian Williams, where he was at work a long way out. Um, I think that could suit this filly. I'd like to see him give a similar sort of ride, be positive, go for home early. Um, and I think if she gets to the front, she'll be a tough nut to crack. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more about Connor Planners. Three wins from 15 rides for George Bowie, which good stats considering uh, his, his, uh, he's actually associated with Tom Clover, but George Bowie wants to make the most of that £7 claim. So Cashew um, for the nap selection for this weekend from Ross. Um, TC, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to stick to Beverly. Um, I think that's the best card for punting opportunities. And in the previous race to the Beverly Bullet, the 205, the Silver Cup, I really like a horse called Post Impressionist. He's a Shadwell cast-off. Um, he's got stamina littered throughout his pedigree. And he made a good start to his career for William Haggis. He won in a romp at air on his second outing uh, before finishing second to Eldar Eldorov at Newcastle. Um, he basically matched Eldar Eldorov's final two furlong splits that day, came from behind and closed the gap um, on the other horses that were ahead of him. Obviously couldn't make the inroads on Eldar Eldorov, but he subsequently won a group two, so he's a very good horse and so is post-impressionist. Post-impressionist since then went to Royal Ascot for the King George V stakes. I really fancied him. He went off four to one joint favourite, but was far too keen, far too inexperienced. He was out the back. He was shifting left and right and just didn't run his race. Never really featured. Last time out, he disappointed as a short price favourite, but that was at Chester. I don't think the track suited. And also, it, it kind of developed into a sprint. And this is a horse who's more of a grinder. He takes a few strides to get into top gear. Whereas that day, it just they went from cruising to full pelt and he just didn't have the same acceleration. He now runs in the Silver Cup. This is the easiest race he is, he is running since winning his maiden at air. I think he's a good thing. And William Haggis has a 29% strike rate with three rods at Beverly. So post-impressionist in the 205. 
That's an interesting start. Um, always uh, curious to, to see where William Haggis sends us all, especially around something like Beverly and uh, Stevie Donahue. I think he's got is doing pretty well when linked up with him. And um, right, so post impressionist in the two or five at Beverly for TC um, nine app selection, which I always get a little bit nervous about, um, is uh, Maxed in the Royal Windsor August date uh, at Windsor on Saturday. It's a listed race at six oh five. Back on the track, he won at first time out. Um, we decided to go for this race instead of a handicap because uh, I think that considering he went up one pound by sitting in his box after Sulkin bolted up in the Melrose, his form is working out really nicely from his last race at Goodwood. Um, Secret State didn't do it any harm um, in the Great Voltage. Um, the third and the fourth all ran really well in the Melrose, obviously, um, uh, as highlighted by Sulkin. So that form's looking good. We thought may as well give this a go against his elders, but he's um, he's in good form and pleasingly we've got Tom Marquand back on board as well. And uh, change around his bit too, which might help him settle a little bit better um, as he's been a little bit keen. So a couple of things um, just might help him and hopefully there'll be enough pace in this race set by Charlie Fellows' in Giazzati. So fingers crossed for him. Um, so that's my nap selection at Windsor on Saturday. Uh, obviously, place plays as well. SBK has place only odds on all races. Sadly, again, this weekend isn't, the, isn't really the day for big field, nice duty handicaps. But TC, there is a sales race. I know that you've got a selection for that. Is there some value in there? Well, I hope so, Jess. I mean, I was looking through the cards and as we say, like four, five, six runner fields, um, just no good for this section, the place place section. And in sales races, unfortunately, you're generally dealing with three places. Um, you may get the enhanced odds, but, um, you know, three places for place uh, play in like 22 runner fields is not ideal. However, um, this race, the 245 at Newmarket is likely to be headed by um, Eddie's boy, who's already won a sales race, Miss Jungle Cat self-praise, Wolhampton, all of whom have run many times this season. Obviously, this is just for two-year-olds. So the limit of their potential isn't as high as others. Of course, they have the best official ratings um, and therefore deserve to head the market. But there is a gap there for a lightly raced horse to come and surprise. There are two lightly raced horses in here that intrigue me. One's trained by Eve Johnson-Horton, who's not the pick. But the other is Amici, who is the selection uh, for Ed Walker. Now, Ed Walker's team is flying at the moment, 25% in the last fortnight. Earlier in the season, he had a bit of a spell in the doldrums, so it's good to see them back running well. And Amici is closely rated to a horse that Ed knows really well and came from the dark. Now, I think, I don't actually know the relation, but I think the dam is a half-sister to came from the dark. So there is a relation there. So Ed knows how this family do, uh, how they perform on the track. And last time out, Amici, after a gelding operation, showed dramatic improvement at Kempton to beat two horses who had prior experience and much better form in the book. The second has subsequently won since. And that final furlong that Amici produced suggests that there's a lot more in the tank. It showed that he finally actually realised what he was doing on the racetrack because on debut, he just had no idea whatsoever. He was out of the back and he was really inexperienced in green. With a further progression likely in this race, I think he could potentially challenge the likes of Eddie's boy, who's obviously got much better form, but could prove vulnerable. So Amici for a place play in the 245 at Newmarket. Yeah, I think really interesting horse. Definitely improved from a gelding procedure. And I happened to be at Kempton that day and interviewed his owner, Lawrence Bellman, who said he's the next pop master. So he's got a lot of uh, 
he's got a lot of excitement around this horse and clearly as you say Ed Walker did the right thing to gelt him after that first run so he's an interesting selection for TC in the uh, sales race at Newmarket um, Ross what have you found? So I've gone to, to Goodwood 225 uh, the old boys to dance a lot um, runs this track pretty well he's two from five there and he's put up some decent performances he was far too keen in the Lennox Stakes last time, but it was run at a moderate pace. Um, plenty were keen in that race, and it was run in a way that suited those ridden prominently. Uh, I think the only one that came from off the pace was Kinross, who finished second. So I'm happy to put a line through that. Before that, I thought his run at Pontefract was really impressive, given absolute lumps away to most of the field. Finished half a length behind Lampang. It's now 103 rated. He was giving him three pound. Bergerac, who's won twice since and is now 93 rated, was about a length back in, in third. Um, and he was giving him something like 15, 16 pound. He goes into a handicap now off a mark of 105. He was as high as 115 last year. Now he's come down the handicap because he's not as good as he was. But this is by some way the easiest task he's faced so far. If they go hard, as they often will in a handicap, I think he's primed to run a really big race. He's around about 16 to 1. I was tempted to put him up as the nap, um, but given the way Goodwood can be with traffic trouble and given that he has to be ridden with restraint, um, I think you've got to have a place part to the bet in case he comes to the wet sale but meets a bit of traffic. Okay, a bit of an old favourite there for Ross and a good price too. Um, I'm going to go back to the sales race and pick up one name that actually TC even mentioned. Not the selection for TC, but it has obviously caught his eye anyway. Boy Browning for Eve Johnson Horton and Charlie Bishop. Um, Eve's team, they've just done so well, especially their two-year-old. She really knows how to pick a, a value one. And this horse, Frank, the form of Mitchell's magic at Goodwood when he was a real eye catcher at 66 to 1 when and bolted up at Windsor in a ordinary enough novice race but that was really impressive he's clearly on the up and he's slightly like a Michi in profile and that they could be could be anything and less exposed than some of the two-year-olds that they're going to face on Saturday so that's Boy Browning um, is my place play uh, for this weekend so hopefully we found a couple in there for you um, we're not over until we get a bit of a stat attack out of TC and uh, also I know that you've got your uh, your uh, US podcast that's going to be uh, coming central stage because it's the best racing probably this weekend is over in Saratoga and the Travis Stakes so I'd love to get your thoughts on that quickly after a stat attack please Yes, Stat Attack, are you ready for this? We didn't have success last week, but this one is going to be successful. Uh, John and Thady Gosden have a 26% strike rate with their runners at, uh, on the July course at Newmarket this season. That's a £1 level stake profit of plus £12.82 if you back every one of their runners. Frankie Dettori has a 31% strike rate on the July course at Newmarket this season. Five winners uh, from 14 rides. Again, a level stakes profit. The pair team up, they just have one runner between them where they team up, and that's spin around. In the 2.10 at Newmarket, I fully expect this horse to win. Okay, interesting. Insight from TC. Quick word on the Travers. Do you think it's a good option for Broome? I mean, the, the whole meet at Saratoga this Saturday is going to be the big day. The Travers fan, fantastic race uh, features epicenter, the leading three-year-old Zandon in there, who was one of my favourite uh, horses for the Kentucky Derby. Got beat in that race, finished third, but could come back and beat epicenter, who finished second. There are loads of other top quality three-year-olds in there, Cyberknife. And then you look at the other card, uh, the other races on the card as well. You've got Jackie's Warrior running um, early on in the day. You've got the Personal Insign featuring most of the, the top quality three-year-old fillies. 
Jack Christopher's running as well. I mean, one of my favorite horses in training. So if we're lacking quality in the UK, we're not lacking it in the US. Make sure you tune in for Saratoga on Saturday night. Okay, more more of that from TC on all the content that you can find on our YouTube channels, on our um, any podcast provider that you find. Um, thank you again to, to the guys for joining us. A reminder that new SBK customers can get £30 in free bets by depositing just £10. T's and C's always apply and make sure to like, tell your friends. Hopefully we found a few winners to, to keep us rolling after a good uh, and successful and profitable, I hope, York week. And uh, thank you for joining us again and we'll be back with you next week.